Welcome back, everybody, to FieldLink, and my name's Bill Smith, and uh, we're excited to have everybody join us today as we have a special report uh, specifically on Beyond the Weather, and we're excited to introduce a couple folks from the Northern Ag Network as they talk about mental health and how it's impacting agriculture. Then we're going to follow up with Jody Lawrence, who's going to give us some further insight on some of the moving commodity markets. But folks, I want you to pay attention and watch your social media feeds as well as your podcast feeds, because Jody's going to rejoin us for a special global market uh, update. Uh, We've got a world uh, production report coming up very soon after this podcast. Uh, So keep an eye on that for that to hit. He's going to give us some deep insight on some of the the production uh, activities and some of the supply issues that we're faced with as it relates to global supplies and all of agriculture. So with that, welcome to FieldLink. Today joining us on this episode of FieldLink is Courtney Kibblewhite and Amelia Sorocki, both from the Northern Ag Network in Montana. Ladies, welcome to FieldLink. Thanks for having us, Bill. We appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, this is awesome. Well, we're really excited to have you both join us here today. But before we talk about the subject on hand, let's learn a little bit more about the Northern Ag Network and both of you. Uh, Courtney, where's home? Yeah, so I'm at home right now in uh, in Billings, Montana. And uh, our network was started in, in 1975 by former Senator Conrad Burns. And this is this is our family business. So my dad joined in 1980. We're a Eastern Montana ranching family out in Sand Springs, Montana. And of course, his dad told him you have to have a real job before you come back to the ranch. And he ended up uh, working for Conrad at the at the network and never left. So um so we've been going since 1975 and um, started really as a network aimed at trying helping farmers and ranchers with price discovery and figuring out what um, what livestock prices are. And, and now we serve farmers and ranchers across Montana, Wyoming, Western and Western Dakotas with um, with the information and optimism they need to uh, to survive and, and thrive. That's awesome. And, and have you been in the radio business yourself for uh, some time? You know, I've been back to the family business eight years. I was one of those uh, girls who wants to um, to discover the world before <laughs> and ended up uh, finding my way back home. But I, I lived in uh, Chicago for school and um, and worked in human capital and leadership consulting and in academia and then found my way back to Montana, came back about 2014. So I've been, been home eight years and um, and working with the family here. Well, that's awesome, and it's always good to have good people in agriculture. Uh, Amelia, how about yourself? Tell us about your journey. Yeah, so uh, my husband and I live just west of Billings, but my family ranches in very rural central Montana. I always joke that Courtney's um, family is like neighbors with us, Um, even though it's 100 miles in Montana terms. (laughs) She is my neighbor. Um, So my family ranches. That counts. (laughs) My family ranches in rural central Montana. Um, so grew up around agriculture, was really involved in 4-H and FFA, um, went to college for ag business, lived in Wyoming for a brief period of time, um, and then moved back to Montana with my husband and have been at Northern Ag Network coming up on six years. So, 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 Amelia, you know, let's talk a little bit about agriculture. Those of us that are in agriculture, you know, we have this stigmatism for being, you know, this tough, uh, you know, get it done kind of a crowd, uh, you know, suck it up, buttercup, uh, pull up your bootstraps uh, kind of 
identity. And, and, you know, that's truly our identity and has been for centuries in most cases. But that's not always the case uh, when it comes to mental health. Help us better understand our true identity. Well, I think what can be challenging is you have, I'll, I'll give the example of my family, you, you have these stories of my great-grandfather came up from Texas when he was 16 to, to work on a ranch and, until he owned it, and my grandfather almost lost the ranch in the 80s, and we almost didn't get passed on to my to our generation that my brother now runs it, and so it's such a weight of, of responsibility, and you think about, okay, well, if I'm not profitable this year, and all my identity is wrapped up in the ranch, does that mean that I'm, I'm a bad person? That I'm not worth anything? That I shouldn't be here? You can see this horrible train of thoughts that can, that can happen just from that concept of your entire, entire identity being wrapped up in your, your occupation and in the land. So I think that can be part of the challenge for, for uh, people in, in agriculture is to think about, you know, no, you're more than the land and you're more than, the, um, than your family and really reframing for yourself. And, and it oftentimes takes somebody on the outside to be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's, it's kind of that theme of, you know, all of us in agriculture are really good of, uh, you know, if something's broken, let's fix it. Um, and, and Amelia, I think you had a pretty interesting story about tractors, how, you know, if they're broken, yeah. you got to fix them. Uh, so we had a producer tell us the story about, you know, if you went outside and you're working on your tractor every day, it's just like yourself, you're working on it every day, right? And one day it breaks down. You're not gonna limp that tractor through the entire harvest, through that entire season, if it's got a flat tire, if the engine's not running right, even if it's just what seems like one small aspect, but it's really in impacting the performance of that tractor, you're gonna fix it right away. You're not gonna let it run that whole season on diminished performance. And he made the comparison that mental health is just that. Um, you know, it might seem like, oh, it's just my sleep. I'm not getting as much sleep, but that's impacting your overall performance. It might seem like, you know, oh, I just don't have time to do this or, you know, I, I don't really want to go do that anymore. And it was something I like to do, but that's impacting you as a whole, which is impacting your operation. It's impacting your profitability. It's impacting, you know, your family, your loved ones, your neighbors. So even if it seems like it's just one small thing, it all fits into the bigger picture. So keeping yourself running right is just as comparable to keeping your tractor running right. Yeah, and I think that's so relatable. And uh, I think, you know, putting it into those terms, uh, I think most producers out there can really relate. You are not going to run that tractor with a dirty air filter, right? We're going to fix it. Once in a while, we need to clean out our air filter. And, and in, in this case, it might be reaching out to a mental health professional. And I think the other thing that I would throw in there, too, we, as we talk about um, the legacy and the identity of agriculture is we need to consider how our words and the stories we tell right now and the analogies we use, how that affects our children. I think changing that we're too tough to need help approach is going to happen over generations and and we need to be teaching our kids that no no it's not that we're too tough <laughs> to need help we're, we're we're smart enough to know when we need some help outside of um outside of our current resources and 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 teaching them that it's okay to talk about it by talking about it uh, some of the things that you may not be proud about so learning from uh, our experiences 
recently we were all in Kansas City for the uh, National Farm Broadcasters Association Conference, and and both of you and, and your network were honored uh, for an initiative that you have been working on, uh, the Montana Mental Health Campaign uh, that you all of you worked on, did a phenomenal job, and you were honored with the Clambeck Award, which is uh, an honor uh, by the past president from the National Ag uh, Farm Broadcaster Association uh, president and Hall of Fame inductee Herb Plambeck. And uh, you were recognized for this single series uh, of radio commercials and so forth uh, by your peers. And that's a phenomenal honor. Have, you, have any of you ever received such an honor? Yeah, this was a really exciting one to receive. Um, it was a project that we've worked really hard on um, and put in a lot of time for, but I think overall it just was a, a really good platform for us to kind of promote um, the mental health initiative to a lot of other states and a lot of other farm broadcasters. Um, after we received the award, I think six different states came up to me within an hour and asked how they could start something similar in their own state. So yes, it was great to receive it and it, it felt amazing to be recognized, but it felt even more amazing that you know we're impacting other states and kind of getting the conversation going there. Well, you know, the area that you touched was really, I'll kind of I'll call it ag sensitive, right? Because those of us that grew up in agriculture, you know, tend to keep things to ourselves. I mean, I know my family sure has, my dad and my granddad and all and so on and forth. And I'm sure most of your family has as well. But mental health is really kind of a an important area in agriculture that's, you know, now finally starting to be talked about. Uh, tell us a little bit what inspired you guys to really, uh, you know, dive into this area. You know, I I have to attribute it to something larger than us, really. You know, um, it was kind of a, a perfect storm of getting involved with the, um, or we've, I guess, been involved for a long time with the Montana Department of Agriculture, but Amelia responded to an RFP that, um, that the Department of Agriculture had put out related to wanting to do some mental health work. And uh, I know personally myself, I've, I've struggled with depression since I was 15 and I've been that, that kid in my family that had the issues, if you will, and, and also had the um, shame of feeling like, gosh, you, you have to, all of your um, identity is wrapped up in what you do. All of your identity is wrapped up in how hard you work. And if you, you can't work as hard as, you know, or your, or your mind's does not in the right place, then you, you know, must be failing that, that kind of, um, that kind of perception. So when the perfect storm of events kind of unfolded that, um, and then Amelia was the one who actually made that, that first move with the Montana Department of Agriculture. And you wanna talk more about that, Amelia? Yeah, so I saw it come across um, our state platform. They sent out kind of a press release talking about it. So I think we initially started talking to them about this program, I think almost exactly two years ago was the first time that they sent out, you know, there was this COVID money that was out there, ARPA funds were out there. Um, I think that was the first time I'd seen that there was actually gonna be funding behind mental health and ag. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of other states or a lot of other organizations kind of try and start a little bit of a movement, but there hasn't ever really been much for funding behind it. And I think the funding part is really important because yes, word of mouth is great, but there's a lot of people that need reached. And so you need to have some you know, money behind it to create materials, to create a campaign, you know, to build a website, all of those different aspects. Um, so I, like I said, I think we started talking about it almost two years ago, pretty dang close. 
um, and have just been in touch ever since and really got in, you know, from the ground up. So we worked with them on everything from creating the slogan to the logo to, you know, what do the TV ads look like? What do the radio ads look like? Um, you know, how do we track it? How many people have we helped? Um, we've tried to be there for them every step of the way. Um, the Montana Department of Ag has put in a ton of work and allocated a ton of resources to this project. Um, they have gone above and beyond for our state, and I really hope that other states um, will kind of see what they've done as a good outline um, of how they could do the same. Well, that's an interesting uh, perspective and a lot of insight uh, shared around the campaign. Let's let's step back a little bit and uh, before we get dive into the campaign, but tell us a little bit about mental health. You know, what, what's kind of the given situation from your perspective in agriculture? You know, I, again, I, I think a lot of us uh, kind of overlook the fact that there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress uh, uh, for farmers and ranchers out there, whether it be drought, uh, whether it be dealing with commodity prices or crazy fuel prices or even land prices, for that matter. Succession planning, it all creates stress and, and some mental challenges. What are, what are some insights that you could share with us from your perspective? We had um, really, really good insight from a politician in Montana. We went to his um, farm and we were filming some content for the video. And I specifically remember this line that he said that was, there's always going to be another something. There's always going to be another drought. There's always going to be another change in the market. There's always going to be another interest rate hike. There's always going to be something. It's about how you handle that something. Um, and he brought up the mentality that in egg, it's all about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, which I totally agree with. That was definitely how I was raised. That's how, you know, my parents were raised. My grandparents were raised was, you know, you gotta be tough to make it in this industry, which is so true. Um, but being tough doesn't mean you can't also be vulnerable with your family um, or with, you know, maybe a therapist. You have to be tough enough to still talk about it. And that was one area I felt like as a whole, everybody in egg kind of struggles with, how do we stay tough without being, you know, too open or telling people too many of our concerns or seeming like the weak link? Um, I think there was a lot of that comparison going on where, you know, so-and-so, my neighbor, they don't talk about it. So I, I shouldn't talk about it either. I don't want to seem like I'm the weak one on the on this road. Um, so that was one area we saw a lot. You know, that came, that was a constant reminder that came up a lot was most people were just saying, you know, you got to be tough. You got to be tough. Well, we get that. But yeah. we got to work past just the mentality of push through everything's fine because someday it's not gonna be fine and it's about how you deal with that. There was a um, person who called into our network yeah. actually, I think Courtney talked to them. So there's a really good story that goes around that. Yeah, we had, we had somebody call, probably after a month we started running radio ads about, um, about people, there's an opportunity for free counseling here in Montana. And someone called and said, I, I don't know why the Northern Egg Network is getting involved in this, um, this woke movement. Why, why are you guys getting all involved with that hippie stuff? And he said, you know, my mom used to just say, oh, just buck up, buttercup. And, uh, you know, we said, well, we just don't want to see another one of our friends take their gun behind their barn and deal with things that way. We, we feel like we need to, as a, as a group, become more vulnerable. And I'd, I'd second Amelia's comments about how tough we are. But I think the other element, and, and you look back, 
I, I love thinking about history and family history. And, and you look back at when, I mean, Amelia's family goes all the way back to Toussaint Charbonneau, <laughs> the explorer in, in Montana. And, and when those people and a lot of our family members came out here, um, one, it was very male dominated. There wasn't a lot of women. The women came later, but there was also very little resources. And so you'd end up, you know, at the end of the train line, perhaps find your 160 acre spread and try and try and make a go of it. And you, and it's not only that you ha- that you chose to be tough, but there just weren't resources. And and even now um, in Montana and Wyoming and many rural places, we there's there's not clinics necessarily. The the um, the county that that our ranch is in is the size of Connecticut. There's 1,200 people. We're 45 miles from a grocery store in either direction, um, and there's certainly not a, a therapist in right. town. So you know, I think we all all have these stories. That I'll share one of mine. I don't know if Amelia and Bill, you may have <laughs> this may spark stories in your family, but um, one of my uh, ancestors, she's, I think, a great, great, great aunt, wrote this story called A Bride Goes West about moving from West Virginia to Montana to marry this cowboy in 1883. And and she talks about how she had this lingering toothache her entire life. And uh, finally, she just couldn't take it anymore. And they lived a couple hours wagon ride to um, to the Indian oh, what are they called? Indian Affairs Office. And so there was supposed to be a doctor there, but he wasn't there. So they looked around and fi- found a pair of pliers and somebody said, okay, I'll, I'll take out your tooth for you. Well, the guy jerked on her tooth and it, it wouldn't come out, but he knocked out the filling on top of it. And so they just said, well, we'll, we'll call it good enough and, and go on there until, I don't know, it was a couple of years later that her husband was able to order some forceps from you know back East. And that's how they dealt with toothaches. And she'd write about how, you know, she wouldn't even kiss her kids because she was so embarrassed of the, of the smell and, you know, that feeling of, and that's just one example of healthcare that, you know, it should be easier to talk about, um, you know, our teeth. But so, for some reason, when you talk about what's going on inside, I'm sure she, she didn't talk a lot about how lonely it was to be the only woman, you know, for miles and, and those things that go on in our minds that are harder to uh, paint a picture of. So I don't know, that's one of those stories that, and, and grandparents, they, they always pass it on to us about how tough the, the other generation was. But, um, but that, that's certainly something that I, that I think about. I, I think that's true for both men and women, uh, certainly women in your, in your scenario there. But even guys, uh, uh, gentlemen, that I, I can remember, you know, uh, one of my first jobs uh, was working in the seed industry in Nebraska. And, and there were some tough times, really tough times where, where hogs weren't worth anything. And, 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 and we saw some of those market trends drop down and, and really, uh, I, I had many customers, uh, take things so difficult because, you know, it was, that was their world and it was crashing below them and, and they couldn't control it. And, and they didn't know how to handle their emotions. They would take them out either on family or friends or even themselves, unfortunately, at, from time to time. Uh, so, so mental awareness in agriculture and Courtney, as you mentioned, finding therapists and, and just medical health uh, as a whole in rural America is a little bit of a challenge in some places. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit, uh, Amelia, how your initiative really captured, I guess, some minds and hearts of folks in Montana. Yeah. So um, what we ended up calling the project was Beyond the Weather. 
Keeping in mind that the first thing we talk about with everybody is the weather. I mean, even today, as soon as we got on, the first thing I told Bill was it was negative 30 here two days ago. Um, so the first thing everybody in Ed talks about is the weather. Is there a storm coming? Is it hot? Is it cold? But it's not very often that we get beyond the weather um, with our neighbors or our friends to ask them how they're doing, how they're really doing. Um, so that's kind of the, I guess, encompassing theme beyond the campaign. Um, the campaign has multiple parts to it. So part of it is erasing the stigma and just creating the public awareness, um, which we do with you know radio ads and TV ads and some digital components. Um, but a really big part of this initiative is the free counseling access for Montana Ag. Um, it includes up to six sessions. And the really big things for me and I guess for my family is it's telehealth. You can do it from anywhere. Um, I know one of my friends did it in the tractor cab while she was feeding calves. So you can do it from anywhere. It's telehealth and it's anonymous. Being from these small little, you know, rural towns, it'd be embarrassing, you know, if somebody saw your car in front of the only therapist in town, they're probably going to say something to you. So having that, you know, telehealth and be anonymous, I think that's been one of the reasons it's been really successful in the number of people we've helped. Um, just because they don't have to have that fear of, you know, the public finding out or, you know, having that conversation when maybe they're not ready to yet. Um, one of the other really great aspects of this was that some of the funding went to bring in mental health speakers um, at, camp or at conventions um, and for different organizations. So I think for the last, I want to say about 14 months or so, every convention, every ag convention we've had in the state of Montana has had some form of mental health speaker, which never happened before. Um, we go to a ton of conventions, we try and hit them all. Um, and I can tell you these conventions where there is a mental health speaker, it at least gets people thinking about it and gets the conversation going. Whether or not that person's ready to hear it right now, you know, they might not be, but maybe the person next to them is and has been having a hard time for months and hasn't known the right way to deal with it or, you know, isn't quite ready to take the first step, but hearing that somebody else is struggling gets them there. Um, so having the speakers be involved in that, you know, egg space in the convention arena has been huge. Um, and it's really opened up a lot of conversations. We've had people come up to us afterwards and talk about their own experience, you know, maybe using the free counseling access um, or what the like clicking point was for them when they thought, okay, I need help or, you know, I'm not sleeping. I didn't think about that as a sign of depression. I'm not really eating. You know, I'm not finding joy in these things. There's all these things that people might not connect with mental health and depression that are absolutely signs and symptoms. Um, so just getting them to recognize that through those speakers has also been awesome. Amelia, you know, the campaign that you uh, worked on, uh, tell us uh, where, where do people go to learn more about some of these initiatives? Yeah. Um, so every state has their own kind of funding. For Montana, it's just beyondtheweather.com. Really easy, really simple. Um, you can also go to northernag.net, and there's a Beyond the Weather tab where you can see some of the videos we've put together. You can see articles that have been, been written, um, you know, op-ed pieces that have been done. There's all those different places, but I know every state kind of has their own agenda. Some of them haven't quite worked through, you know, maybe what their campaign is specifically in their state. Um, but every department of ag should have, if you reach out to your own department of ag, they should be able to put you in contact with the person in charge. And I think that's important. You know, not all states have, you know, got to the point where you're all at right now. But nonetheless, 
you can still access that information and learn about, you know, mental health, maybe some of the challenges that you might be facing and uh, really, you know, kind of do some self-investigation and find out if you do need to seek out some professional help. Well, and I think a large part of, of the movement is just normalizing the conversation, that we all have this internal uh, tape running and sometimes, you know, Sometimes it can be super negative and sometimes it can be super positive and, and, you know, it, in ways it can be really different if you're, if you're outside in our family of feeding cows every day, fixing equipment so you can feed the cows. That's what, that's what you're doing all day, every day. So if a doctor says, oh, well, you need to get more exercise, you're thinking like, shoot, I'm outside <laughs> exercising all the time. What, what do you mean? But there, but there might be um, specific little ideas that somebody, and it doesn't even, we don't all need to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but I think the other part about our Western or rural culture, and at least in the West, is it's better to be humble and it's better to say, say less. <laughs> you know, do more, say less. And what that can, what that can cause is, is a is somebody just bearing those feelings, bearing those emotions. I, I tease my brother when I go out to the ranch because I feel like I never know what the plan is. And he's, and I don't, how does the hired man know that we're gonna do this and that? And where does all this communication happen? Because I, I was at the breakfast table too and I didn't I didn't understand any of it. And and so, so many of us that, and, or maybe it's just the family communication within your own family, but but talking about things even the weather, just to get beyond it too, you know, how, how, it, how does it feel that you haven't been able to get off the ranch in six months because you haven't had anybody to help? You know, that would be another advice a therapist might give you. Oh, maybe you need to take a vacation or relax. Well, sure. well, who's going to feed your cows, you know, or those, um, those little things. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that just the aspect of bringing this up in conversations and, and, and being a, a leader, I, I think vulnerability is something that isn't common in our industry. And you can you can be a leader just by being willing to say, you know, gosh, I. When somebody says, "How are you doing?" you don't have to just say, "Yeah, good. How are you?" You can say, you know, it's. I lost two of my grandmothers this year. It's kind of it's kind of been a tough year. And you can be honest about that. And and when you're honest, it gives somebody else the space to be vulnerable as well. And you just don't know. We did. Um, the Montana Agri Trade Exposition happens every every February, and we tested that beyond the weather and a few other campaign slogans. I guess kind of an unofficial test. We had, what was it, Amelia? Four different yeah, three slogans and logos, and we were asking folks to vote with a poker chip on which one they identified. And and even just by having that little sign up in our booth of you know vote for the logo you like, people came up to us and had all these stories and shared really post personal vulnerable things it was we've had more people just say thank you for bringing up the conversation so it's it's interesting to see how um how if you open yourself to it it can really uh, take hold yeah and i think you know i keep coming back to you know us in agriculture you know we're growing up to be the tough guys, so to speak, or tough gals that pull up your bootstraps. You mentioned it, Amelia. I mean, that's how we were raised. And uh, with technology today, uh, to you, your point is so, so real. I mean, I grew up in a small town, uh, you know, very small town. And boy, you knew where everybody was at. You parked the truck in front of the post office or the pub or whatever it is, you knew they were in there. Uh, to, to do that in front of a, a doctor's office of some kind, it could be really uh, 
I guess uh, troubling for some folks, and you know, uh, it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, but now with technology to do some of these things that you mentioned, uh, with remote health, to, you can access things, internet, my goodness, you pretty much access the internet in most places uh, today, and we can find that kind of help if we need it. Amelia, tell us a little bit about some of the success stories that you've had. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you've ran this campaign for almost a year now. Um, what, what are some success stories that you can share with our audience? Yeah, so um, on the free counseling access, we've helped almost 40 producers in Montana, um, which might not seem like a ton, but the way that I think about it is if we've helped 40 people, there's 40 people who have actually reached out and gotten free counseling. Think about all the other people who maybe aren't at that point where they need free counseling, but this at least got the discussion going in their family. Um, so I, I feel really happy that we've been able to help so many of those people, but just some of the, like Courtney mentioned, the stories and the personal things that people have shared with us. Um, we had a farmer in Southern Montana. He was telling us, you know, it doesn't have to be some big event. One of the misconceptions he always sees about mental health is, you know, someone has to die. There has to be a divorce. You have to lose the farm. There has to be some big event. And he just said, that's not how it is. It could be, you know, everything is compounding. Your interest rate went up this year. You lost your egg banker. You know, it could be a few, what might seem small things, but they all happen at once. And, you know, with all of that, you just feel this stress and this immense pressure. But one of the things that he mentioned is that, you know, he has actively went to counseling before. He's not share, you know, he's not shy to share about it. He tells people about it. Um, but he says he's not a fan of going long-term. He went a few times, but the thing that he got out of it was he got tools that he could use on the farm himself to kind of recenter himself when he's having a rough day or when something you know really drastic happens. He has the tools to be able to deal with it himself, um, which I thought was super powerful because you know farmers and ranchers probably don't want to keep going to counseling every single week, you know, for years on end. But if they can even just go a few times and learn some of those resources or ways to deal with things. That'll set them up for long-term success. It's all about that, you know, teach a man to fish. You know, that same story. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point. I think Courtney mentioned it earlier. It isn't, you know, reaching out to these hotlines and utilizing some of these resources doesn't mean you're immediately going to be, you know, sitting on a couch with a therapist once or twice a week. And, uh, you know, it could be some simple things like, hey, you know, you got a lot going on in your life, just listening and having somebody to talk to. It might be as simple as, hey, you need to get out and go for a walk for you uh, once a day or something like that, or learn to, you know, breathe a little bit differently. I mean, there could be tons of solutions for everybody's, uh, you know, challenges that they may have, but it's not all cookie cutter uh, when it comes to mental health. Tell us a little bit about the website that you worked on, uh, Amelia. Um, you, you mentioned you've, you've assisted 40 folks at this point, but tell us about uh, some of the access that uh, people have been reaching out. Uh, utilizing some of those tools. Yeah, so um, on that website, we've tried to make it really easy and really simple for people. Um, there's a form they can fill out right on the website to get connected with a therapist really quickly. Um, there's a third party that administers the you know actual therapy services, and I think they say that they'll reach out within 24 hours, so really quick turnaround time to get you connected with somebody. Um, there's also like, if you are with one of those organizations and you want to have a mental health speaker, um, there's kind of information about getting one of those mini grants on there. Uh, there's videos that we've done, like I mentioned, and then there's also a resources, um, section that just connects you with, um, the West Warsap, Western Agri-Stress, 
I'm butchering the acronym, but um, it, it's a Western Regional Agri-Stress. Yeah. So it connects you with Warsap, um, which is just basically services in this region um, that may be helpful to you. So there's information. Um, one of the things that's also on there is the there's some information about substance use that I think is really helpful. I know personally, like in my family, the way that my family's always dealt with things is drinking. Well, that's not a healthy way to deal with things and it's not sustainable long term. Um, and I think that's one connection that they've been able to make is that there are a lot of producers who do turn to substances, whether it's alcohol or tobacco or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so there's information about there that as well. Awesome. And, and I think it's important for our listeners, whether you're, you know, so you all are certainly in, in Montana and uh, you've got that state covered, but reach out to, to a lot of these resources, uh, your departments of agriculture, uh, you know, each, every state's got some different resources out there, but the, the important thing is to reach out if you're, if you're struggling, that's, that's really the issue here. Uh, and uh take advantage of the many resources that are out there and just talk to somebody. I think that can be the challenge sometimes is it's hard when, when it's hard to make a decision to even get out of bed, it can be hard to decide who do you call, you know, even if you can acknowledge there's something wrong, but, but that first step, like you said, tell somebody, tell somebody that cares. And I think that is one great thing about beyond the weather is it, is it has given people that here's, here's the therapist you go to, here's, just start here. <laughs> and I think, you know, for, for any family members and, and even um, folks who are serving the agriculture community, whether you're selling chemical or seed or feed or, you know, you're financing, people need to, um, pe- people, when, when they know you care, they'll be willing to open up. And sometimes just having a little bit of, little bit of separation between the person, but some trust relationship, you can really be in a position to, to help somebody if you notice you know, one thing um, somebody told me is if you if you go to a, a farmer's place and his equipment is usually just immaculate and put away and everything's ship shape and the next time you go, things are kind of left out. You know, he's not maybe not showering, not taking care of himself. You know, those those can all be signs that something else is going on here. And rather than just staying and talking about the weather, get beyond it and and don't be afraid to ask. Hey, what what's going on in your mind? Because you know, people are usually relieved to hear somebody bring that up versus, uh, you know, defensive. You know, I think that's a really good point. And I, all of us that are involved in agriculture, you know, those of us that are in sales or working, uh, you know, with growers on a day-to-day basis, I think it is important to take a deep breath and maybe recognize some of those things that you just pointed out, Courtney, and ask those vulnerable questions. Is everything okay? Is there anything you know, I can do, uh, and be a listener, an active listener is, is, is a great trait, uh, for, for any person that's involved in not just sales, but heck, if you're a neighbor, you know, it's okay to ask those kind of questions. And making the point to ask it in person too. And a lot of times people, when, you know, somebody says, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm struggling with this or I'm not doing great. It's hard to know how to respond to that as the person hearing it. Um, so one phrase that we've heard come up over and over is just saying, you know, tell me more about that. Okay, you're really struggling with, you know, hay prices right now. Tell me more about that and how it's, you know, impacting you or how it's affecting you. On average, you have to ask somebody three times um, before they'll kind of get to this point. So you need to be comfortable enough with them to ask them, you know, how are you doing? No, how are you doing? No, how are you really doing? You have to be a little bit persistent and be able to ask it in the right frame of mind where once they tell you, you know, here's what's going on, 
you need to be ready to hear that and, you know, be ready to listen. Like you said, be an active listener, participate in the conversation um, and do it without judgment. I want to thank Amelia Soroki as well as Courtney Kibble-White from the Northern Ag Network in Montana for joining us today here on FieldLink to share this very important topic around agriculture as it relates to mental health. Thank you so much for having us, Bill. We really appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. And we're welcoming Jody Lawrence back to FieldLink. Jody, uh, uh, the markets continue to go get a little crazy right now. What's going on in the marketplace at this time? Well, Happy New Year, Bill, and Happy New Year to everybody that's listening. First podcast of 2023, and uh, the general set of facts have not changed much over the holidays, the long holiday weekends that we had because you still have the war raging in uh, Ukraine, and now Ukraine has taken the offensive uh, into Russia on a couple different uh, times, and you uh, you got the price of uh, crude oil back down in this low $70 area, and diesel trading 290 on the futures, 290, 295, and the biggest thing really that we're looking for coming up this week is uh, Thursday. The USDA puts out its final 2022 crop report. They'll update yield. They'll update planted acres. They'll update exports. They'll update supply and demand across the world. So it's a really, really big report that always moves the market because the USDA and WASDE, their world counterpart, uh, comes in and updates every column that they have on their balance sheets. So You've got a lot of moving parts come Thursday, and that comes out at 11 o'clock Central. Yeah, definitely looking forward to having that uh, report come out Thursday. And, and Jody, we're going to have a special edition uh, episode. Uh, this will be our world uh, production uh, report uh, special. Uh, Jody's going to join us for a special podcast that will be aired uh, and launched shortly after that uh, particular report comes out. So encourage our listeners to listen in to all of the content and all the details as he breaks it down. Uh, line by line, like you mentioned, uh, everything from wheat production to cotton production, on and on. It's going to have it all kind of covered there. Uh, so be sure to listen in to their next podcast, that special edition podcast featuring Jody. So Jody, as far as the markets right now, you know we're seeing some activity uh, globally as it relates to weather, uh, having some impact uh, uh, certainly on the soybean markets uh, in, in South America, both Brazil and Argentina, picking up some rain and moisture. Uh, well, what are you? How are the markets reacting to that news recently? Everything is revolving around Argentina right now because they, they are still stuck in a really, really dry there. 100-year drought is how they're referencing it. And uh, what it has done is, uh, since Argentina is a huge exporter of bean meal, they process it out to bean meal. Bean meal is making new contract highs over the last uh, several trading sessions, which has uh, supported the entire soybean and bean oil markets with it. And obviously, if beans are high, it's, it helps support corn uh, as we make critical planting decisions in the northern hemisphere going into the spring. So you've really got a stubborn uh, transition. You have had some rain lately and you've had some hints that by the end of the month, uh, the transition to a wetter, more seasonal forecast is coming for Argentina. But uh, I think everybody has gotten to a point with predicting the weather, especially La Nina and El Nino this year, how they're interacting is uh, they're gonna wait till they see uh, water in the rain gauge before they break the market. But if Argentina's bean crop 
<coughs> excuse me, is saved by some timely rains in late January and February. We do have some concern for the downside of the market. Yeah, definitely. Uh, our, obviously, Argentina as well as Brazil. You know, some other leading trading partners being China right now, and you know, with the COVID scare up and down and ever changing in China, how how is that potentially going to impact some of the demand for uh, soybeans? Well, China really over the holidays made a, a one eighty change from their uh, very hardline zero COVID policy, where they had. You know, cities of millions of people on lockdown, if they hit a very low threshold of 50 or 100 positive tests that day, and they came to the conclusion that their economy was suffering so much that they were going to have to take on a much more Western approach of vaccines and letting a herd mentality, or not a herd mentality, but a herd immunity be developed. And they have a high infection rate right now, which uh, was expected. But they are pumping in billions of dollars in stimulus, just like the U.S. was doing in the early days of COVID. And with some policy change and if the measures they're taking worked and China's economy does rebound quicker than was originally expected, some of the really uh, dire talk of world recession in 2023 could be softened a little bit. So we're optimistic that they'll be able uh, that they're heading in the right direction, but uh, not 100% convinced that we're about to start another bull run simply because of their demand prospects. Wow. Uh, Ever-changing story, certainly in China, and the, the global impact on that for, for farmers in the U.S. Is, is really crazy and changing every day with those kind of policies. Jody, you referenced uh, some energy earlier. Uh, what what uh, what seems to be happening right now? They're in the energy market right now as we're taking a look at diesel prices. Well, a couple different things. You've got diesel on futures trading down around 290 again. You've got crude in this buy area for replenishing the strategic U.S. strategic reserve in the 70 to $73 a barrel. And you also, because of the warm weather that has occurred over the northern hemisphere, it started in Europe and after our Christmas uh, freeze, uh, the U.S. has really been in a very mild, as has Europe, pattern, and natural gas has fallen to multi-year lows, and uh, that has helped on several different fa- uh, factors because we are, have been talking with the guys in the fertilizer side of the business. We are seeing all of the nitrogen-based products and a lot of the inputs that natural gas is a big component of begin to soften and come down, which is good news heading into prepay. And then also natural gas on farm when you talk about drying your corn and being able to hedge what your costs are going to be for the fall to get, because natural gas has dropped uh, 50% in value, that you certainly have some areas on the fuel side where you can make some hedges to uh, help your long-term outlook and know what your energy costs are going to be for the spring and summer. Yeah, definitely. I I just crossed the, uh, kind of relating back to a couple podcasts ago, we talked about the drought and, uh, you know, the Mississippi River, how dry it was impacting a lot of the energy as well as fertilizer prices. I just crossed the river today, Jody, and I saw several barges uh, in uh, in the Memphis area going up and down. So that uh, river has certainly been recharged with recent rains over the last three weeks or so. Uh, so hopefully that's going to impact uh, that fertilizer market as well. Yeah, it's, it's uh, starting. It's, it's Things are starting to come online because you certainly, uh, you want the river's uh, to uh, 
you need the rivers full to get back to normal logistics. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing for everybody involved uh, in, in the ag industry for transportation to be normal. All right, Jody, I want to thank you. Uh, I know you're uh, on the road uh, this week. Uh, you're calling in today from, I believe, Florida. Is that correct? Yes, Florida, for one sales meeting on the way to Illinois for another one for Helena. Happy to cover all of the uh, topography for them because this is a, a busy time of the year for all the meetings. Yep. Tis the season for meetings. We certainly have several coming up uh, across the country, trade shows, and we encourage growers to stop in and see us at many of these trade shows. We've got the uh, Mid-South Gin Show coming up here in a few weeks and the Commodity Classics just uh, a few months away. So we're looking forward to seeing everybody at those shows here coming coming very soon. Jody, thanks for joining us today here on FieldLink. Thank you, Bill. Hey, everybody, I want to thank you all for joining us on this special edition of FieldLink. It was great to have uh, both uh, Courtney and Amelia join us uh, talking about beyond the weather and how mental health impacts agriculture. I also want to encourage everybody to be watching your uh, uh, podcast feeds and be sure to look for the next podcast as we talk about the World Production Report. Jody Lawrence is going to join us and have a very focused uh, podcast on global supply right now, some of the things that we're seeing uh, from the USDA. So be sure to join us for our next FieldLink podcast.